Welcome to the creative brain of Dean Hawk. Get ready to be challenged, inspired, and equipped to become a better ministry leader. Hey, welcome to a bonus edition of the Dean Hawk Leadership Podcast, coming to you right at the first of the year. And man, I hope your Christmas vacation and New Year holiday was amazing. But I realized that as I sat down that I'm not going to be able to get this all covered. So coming to you, this is Ministry Makeover Part 2. And then we're always releasing new podcasts in the middle of the month. Uh, coming up in just two weeks, we'll release part two to you on January 15th, Ministry Makeover Part 3 will actually be coming out there. So we want to help you guys. We've been talking about what the heck is EOS and traction and adapting that to our um, to our uh, uh, church and how that looks and impacts. It's a corporate book, but we're going to adapt it to church use. And uh, I want to pick up where we left off. And we were talking about creating a new culture and, and who are we as a church? Who are we as a staff? What are, what are the things that we are going to hold near and dear to us? And so I just want to share some things that we've come up with, not for you to reproduce them and say, yes, that's great, Dean, ABC123, but to get your brain going as you go through these books of really identifying who are we as a church? Who are we as a ministry and an organization? And so we defined our staff core objectives. And here's the way I would put it this way. It defines what we do. Our staff core objectives define what, when I mandate the staff, here are the five things that I have given them and that we collectively work together. I just didn't go off in a room, but I worked with my lead team and said, why are we here? Why do we exist? What's the purpose of what we're doing? And so our first one was, uh, uh, is to make disciples. We want to grow people in their walk with Jesus to become reproducing, fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. And that is, that is the central theme of what we do as a church. Secondly, is, or as, as a team, as, as the staff, is we're here to make disciples. Secondly, we are people connectors. Our goal is to engage people in authentic relationships. That when we meet somebody, we're in a military town, you're in the Air Force, oh, I want to introduce you to John, he's in the Air Force as well. Um, and, and just connecting moms and, and connecting people that, have you met this person? And that is our job as a staff, is to be a people connector and a relationship builder. Thirdly, is to empower team members. It's not about us as the staff doing it and saying, watch how we do it, but empowering the, the team members that we want to equip, empower, and release people to do the works of Jesus. And we have a motto around here, everyday ministry by everyday believers. And then we're always challenging all of our staff members, all of our lead team leads, that every time we gather, who is the one person you minister to? Example, I ministered to hundreds and hundreds as I preach from the platform, but who did Dean Hawk minister? Who was the one? We, we always just put it this way, reach one, minister to one, empower one. And so it was between services. I saw one of our members sitting on one of our sofas, sitting there by himself. And I said, there's my guy. Went over and said, how was your week? 
what's been going on. And he just had a small dialogue, just ministered to him, gave him that personal attention that said, I'm glad you're here and, and ministering to them. And so I want to empower all of my leaders to minister to the people that they're serving with and serving around them. Number four was to cultivate leaders. We are we need to have this, this leadership machine that we're always seeing people, raising them up, teaching them, training them. And so we want to lead, coach, train, model, delegate, and develop people to move up the ladder of leadership. And so we daily pray for God to send winners to our team. We daily ask God, help us to see the gifts and the talents and people that, that they don't see and maybe we don't see. And so we just had a, I was at a meeting last night and and this woman that has been a part of our leadership and our church for for I think maybe the last five or six years, something came out in that conversation of, of that gathering of people that I went, ding, 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 ding. I saw an assignment for her. I saw a leadership position for her when she shared her heart and, and she shared a, a direction of, of what really excites her about the, the church role and aspect. And, and all of a sudden I saw it and I went, she's the person for this position. And so I was able to see, even though she's been in front of me for the last six years, I now suddenly saw she's the person to fulfill this role in this position within the church. So we need to always be cultivating leaders. And then we want to live in the supernatural. I challenge my staff that they need to rely on the Holy Spirit's power, wisdom, grace, and direction to accomplish the vision and to impact people's lives, to follow that nudge of the Holy Spirit, to, to hear his voice, to lean into God's grace, to empower us to accomplish it. And we always want to be expecting, praying, and anticipating the supernatural power and presence of God to be relevant in our services, in our meetings, and in our small groups. And then we, we took from, from, from there our, our core objectives and we said, what are the staff core values that we as a staff want to ascribe to? And, and here's what I would put it. This, is, this defines how we do church and how we lead. The other is what we do. This is how we do it. And so we created these eight core values. Uh, one of the things I love is if you go, if you just Google Dave Ramsey, um, Financial Peace University guy, if you, if you Google Dave Ramsey core values uh, wall, he has put in there on their office wall all of their core values that his corporation and his team has, has put together. And he's got some fun ones and words them together. We made them very practical and simple. Once again, I'm sharing them with you. Steal some, borrow some, that's great. But don't just cookie cutter and say, oh, that's good, we're gonna use them. Sit down with your team. This, this has been massaging, um, uh, working, redefining. When we first wrote our list, we came up with, I think there were like 15 or 16. And then we began to whittle them down and pull them down. And one of the things that we did that the books challenge us to do is to ask yourself, who is the model member? Who is that person that just epitomizes 
everything that you want in a leader. And so we began to pull out some of our volunteer leaders and their attitude and their hearts and their and just their go get them. And so here's what we've come up with. Let me share them with you quickly. We've got a lot more territory to cover. Um, number one, we, we said we want you to lead with integrity, that we want you to live a consecrated life to Jesus Christ for others to model, that we're going to lead with character and integrity. Number two, we're going to serve with humility. We want to humbly serve our team members. That's the first, that's the first group we serve, are those that are on our team. I need to be able to serve my team. Children's ministry should serve youth. Youth ministry should serve our, our hospitality. We're all working together and we're helping to advance the cause together. So if I see an area short, my youth pastor might say, hey, let me get some teenagers to help cover that need this morning that we have. We're here to serve one another. The second group of people we serve are the other team members' families, that we're here to support one another. We're, we're doing life together. And we're not just here, hey, hey, John, Mark, Aaron, Brad, wanna help you, no. Um, something came up and one of the spouses has to do something and one of the kids is in the office and maybe one of our children's, our children's staff says, hey, uh, Roman can hang out with me today. I'm going to be in the kids' room. He can hang out in there with me while I'm getting the stage ready. He can play some of the games in the back. That's we're serving one another's families. Then we want to serve our church family, our, our members, and then we want to serve our community. It's in that order and it begins with us. Number three is people are priority. People are priority. Before programs, processes, and tasks, we always make time for people. A great example is our children's ministry knocked it out of the park on this one is a new family shows up and they have a third grader and a fourth grader. Well, the way we have our children's ministry divided, five-year-olds in kindergarten, first through third grade, and fourth and fifth graders, this brother and sister were supposed to go to each two separate classrooms. But the, the children's volunteer could, could sense that there was some tension. And, and we said, you know what? People are more important than, than processes and priorities and programs. So which, which child, ask the parents, which would be the best fit? Would it be best for your th uh, third grader? Because the one, one was real apprehensive. If they're fine, yes, we're going to send them to their class. But one, one of the siblings was really apprehensive. And they said, let's have, the, let's have the fourth grader hang with the third grader today in her class. And then within... a a week or two, they're in their own classes, they're doing well, but that's where we put people over processes. I've got to, I've got to make sure this is ready for service. How many people did you pass in the lobby that you didn't say hi to, that you didn't warmly greet, that you didn't give them a hug, that you didn't say, how's your day going? People are priority. Number four is we said family first. Family is first. And here's the way we put it. Never allow ministry to be more important than your marriage and your kids. That when in doubt, do, do I do this extra event? Do I, do I push to, to uh, uh, expand this area of ministry? 
Well, what's that impact going to be on your family? What's that going to look like on your family time and on your marriage and on your relationships? And so for me, I said to my church last month, we were talking about growing and expanding as a church. And I said, we're not going to do Saturday nights for a season. It's not on our radar because our staff is not at a size that we can rotate staff who need to show up on Saturday nights. If I have all of my staff, all hands on deck on Saturday night, I'm going to impact the one day that their Saturday that they have with their kids by one o'clock in the afternoon, they're going to be thinking work, doing work, and they're losing a day with their kids. So until I have a large enough staff that I can say, hey, you only serve one once every three Saturday nights, whatever that looks like, I'm, I'm going to value my staff and their family relationships. Kim and I, our kids are grown and gone. We could do church any night of the week, any day of the week. I can take off other days. But if I give if my staff works on Saturday and I give them another day out, their kids are at, at school and they're not getting that time with them. And then number five is make it better. I think Andy Stanley is the one that came up with this. I think it's one of his values that, that I've drawn in is make it better. And I love this statement. We're just like bacon. We make everything better. If you're not a bacon fan, you don't get it, but if you are, you do. So we want to function with excellence. We want to give the extra 5% that moves it from good to great. I forget what book I was reading, but they, they talked about the difference that, that, that between something being good and great is a 5% increase. Moving it, that 5% of excellence and taking it that little bit extra moved it from a good event, a good service to a great service or a great event. Number six is stay hungry. Stay hungry. We, we, we don't want people to become comfortable. Um, we don't want them to become uh, discontent, but we that they're frustrated, but we always want an element of discontent that we're always hungry. It's, I would call it a holy discontent that we're never ungrateful for what God has done, but we're not, never satisfied to just coast. And so we have a, model, a, a, a motto around here that we say, we pedal when others coast. We pedal when others coast. We don't coast during the summer because we know during the summer season, we have a lot of movement and activity here in Colorado Springs. And our numbers might be down, but our visitors, our guests who are attending are actually up. So we can't say, oh, let's take it easy. Let's just, let's just slide through summer. We need to bring in our A game. We pedal when others coast. Number seven is we own it. The buck stops with me. A famous slogan we have in all of our staff meetings, an idea will get thrown on the table and then myself or, or, or my wife will say, who's going to own this? Great thing that we're going to do this next weekend. Who's going to own it and make sure it is getting done? There's no excuses. The buck stops with me. And then lastly, our eighth core value is have fun. We want to make sure that we don't get so serious and so bogged down with the burden of the ministry that we forget to laugh. 
and we forget to enjoy one another's company. We forget to have fun. And I am known for practical jokes and leaving rubber snakes under the receptionist's desk and who knows what that might be. We just want to have fun and laugh. And one of the things I enjoy is, is when I step out of the staff meeting and the, they're finishing up with their other areas and the conference room is next to my office and I'll hear them just busting out laughing. That does my heart good. We want to have fun serving together. Then uh, as we talk about this EOS S system and, and our vision and our culture, I began to set down, and one of the things that challenges you to, challenges you to do is to write a 10-year goal, a 10-year corporate plan. And what does that look like? And then write that big vision and then backstep that down to a three-year goal, one-year goal. I added a five-year goal in there. And, and, and I began to just write, where do we want to be in 10 years? And then I began to backstep it. One of the things I did that I would encourage you to do and present to your staff is I took our current Sunday morning average attendance, it's right around 1,500, and then I said, for 2019 and the 10 years beyond, where do you, where is your faith at? How much do you want to grow? And I, I broke it down for 10 years. I actually went 15 years at 15% growth, at 20% growth, and at 25% growth. Now, who knows if we can average that, but I wanted to give them a vision that if we grow by 15% in five years, we'll be a church that's running over 3,000. In 10 years, we'll be a church running over 6,000. In 15 years, we'll be a church that's running over 12,000. That at 15%, we're going to double about every five years. Well, what does that look like in my organization and my structure and all of those things? So you've got to have the vision first and then uh, the second area. We've talked about vision in our December podcast, this special release podcast vision. Now let's dive into the second big area and it's the people. And they talk a lot about in good to great and, but then also in traction, the EOS system of getting the right people in the right seats on the bus. And do we have the people on our team that are, are performing, are, are meeting the expectations? Are they in the right place? Are they in the right position? And back at one year ago, when the Lord began to challenge me about alignment, the Lord asked me to, to challenge our staff that some of you have been sensing change and you've been sensing man, that God's leading you out. Some of you uh, might have some, you're just feeling kind of, you're just, you're feeling unsettled and, and, and just anxious and restless here. And some of you might even have an offense and, and that you need to get that corrected or you're going to have to pull back and, and, and maybe look for another option because we need alignment of vision, alignment of hearts, alignment of faith, alignment of oneness of, of one mind, one spirit, and one purpose. And, and so we needed those hearts to come into alignment. And so I'm going to tell you, pastors, it has been, the last 12 months has been an amazing ride. We've launched several of our staff out uh, in various positions into new positions. And, and my lead associate, Pastor Mike, 
uh, Keck has moved to Nashville and, and he's just launching a new church there. And, and it's just exciting to see, as we said, hey, are you supposed to be here? Hey, is this the right time and place for you? And, and, and really just self-assessing. And, and we went to one employee and said, hey, uh, are you happy working here? And they said, uh, it's not my favorite. And we just said, how can we help you find where you want to be? And, and man, they transitioned to a job that they're working with their spouse and it's just it just seems like a great fit. And then we're bringing in new staff and new employees and, and it's just been wonderful to see. It can sometimes feel scary about, well, well what if I let this staff person, if, if they leave, if, if they're not here and who's gonna pick it up? Well, we always are praying for winners to our team. And here's what I would tell you. We were very, very slow in adding and, and making those adjustments. Then one of the other things that's happened is we've had staff that was in a year ago was in position A, and now they're in position B. Or that they, they were overseeing position B, and we said, you know what? They're showing some strength and talent. Let's put them not just over B, but let's put them over A, B, C, and D. And we've promoted people, and it's just been cool to watch how God and the Holy Spirit has orchestrated us and helping us get the right people on the team. And so some of the results of that, of those changes has been, I would say, a greater continuity and alignment and intentional uh, purpose as we've grown together and as we're functioning together. And then the last area I want to take just the last moment or two to talk about is the book Rocket Fuel, because I had a major makeover in my role as the lead pastor. Uh, Kim has been our CFO. That's my wife. She's been our CFO. She's been over children's ministry. She's over women's ministry. Uh, we had Pastor Aaron Pendleton coming on board on our executive team. And uh, uh, pastors, here's, here's what I've done is uh, what Rocket Fuel talks about are the two key players within an organization are the visionary and the integrator. The visionary is the one that dreams and says, we can go here and this is, this is the plot and this is the plan and this is the course we're going to take. The integrator is the one that says, this is how we're going to get it done. This is the system. This is the organization. This is the plan. If you want to go there, then here is the roadmap to get there. Well, my wife is a born integrator. Uh, Pastor Aaron is a born integrator. And, and basically, here's what both of them said. You're clogging the system. You're, 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 you're bogging us down in staff meetings. And so they literally, they kicked me out and I voluntarily departed because I knew it wasn't my strong suit, the systems, the organization, and the structure. I love to talk and to dream and we could do this. And the staff was like, but how are we going? What do we need to do this week, pastor? And so now I have on Monday mornings my creative team meeting and I can dream and advance and talk about future sermons and video ideas and testimony things and I have my creative team that we'll, we'll hash out those ideas with. I now gather with our lead team and we have our, our staff prayer time together. We share wins together. I want to hear the wins of the last seven days and then I'll cast some vision. I'll, I'll share what the Lord's been leading me to do and then, but before that meeting, I've given my issues to Kim and to Aaron. Here are issues, problems, challenges that need to be fixed. 
I don't have to worry about them. They own them, they take care of them, and they run the rest of the staff meeting. And it is a beautiful thing. And what Rocket Fuel is saying, that when you get the integrator and the visionary working together, it creates a combustionable, it causes the organization to blossom and to move forward at a higher rate of speed. It's like putting rocket fuel in your Ford pickup truck and uh, you're going to go further and faster. All right, guys. Hey, coming up in just two weeks, we'll, be, uh, we'll finish this up. Ministry Makeover Part 3 coming out on January 15th. God bless you guys. Hey, seek him. It's a new year. It's a new beginning. What is God going to do in your church? I believe there's some exciting things coming to you this year. Thank you for joining us today. For a free sermon series and teaching outlines by Pastor Dean, visit us at deanhawk.com. Be sure and join us next month as we continue our growth on leadership.